This is What the FC. I'm Will Martin. And I'm Matt McCutcheon. MLS is weird, and we love a good story. Let's go. Welcome back to What the FC. You are listening to episode 9. Uh, this is now our 10th episode. I know the numbering is a little weird, but if you count episode zero, I'm not really sure why we numbered it like that. It was probably my idea and not Matt's. I, I thought it was a good idea at the time, and now it makes it confusing every time we have a milestone. But this is actually our 10th episode that we have released, and uh, Matt and I wanted to take a little bit of time to reflect on that, celebrate that, and start to look forward uh, to our future. Um, it, it's a good time for it. Our college semester is finishing up. I'll be graduating here in, in a week uh, once this episode releases, which just feels really crazy. So it's a really good time for us to think about our futures, the future of this podcast, and um, try to learn more to understand what the future of this podcast should be. So fair warning, this episode's going to get uh, a tiny bit meta on, on you guys, but uh, we think it's really valuable information. And so just a quick public service announcement about this episode, uh, if you came here looking for a soccer story, you're not necessarily going to get that in this episode. Matt and I are going to have uh, a great time talking about journalism, uh, which is a little bit off topic from what we normally do here, but we think it's really important to reflect on where we've been and share with you guys on where you're going. So if that's something you're interested in, if you're interested in uh almost collaborating on our future plans and being in on our process and our thoughts about where we're wanting to go, where, where we're wanting to go, then this episode is for you. So just wanted to give everyone that PSA before we get into the episode. So what we did was we wanted to do, know more about covering soccer in Charlotte and what that community and environment looks like. So we talked to two sports journalists, uh, Ashley Mahoney, who is, runs QCFC under the Charlotte Post. Uh, she's probably the biggest soccer reporter uh, in this community. Uh, I don't really think that's an argument. And then we also talked to Brett McCormick, who is a um, sports business journalist at the um, Charlotte Sports Business Journal. Um, he covers primarily tennis and general assignment. Uh, and he had some really great thoughts for us as well. We wanted to learn more about journalism and the community and ultimately how we fit into that. So excited for this one, Matt. Yep, feeling uh, ever more self-conscious about my beard uh, every time we record, but <laughs> other than that, I'm feeling great. Oh my gosh. I, I Fun story, Matt was the one that uh, really pushed me over the edge and got me to grow the beard out. And Wishing now, I did Now he's regretting it. <laughs> I'll just play it. It looks good. It looks good. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Uh, it's really good to talk about visual things on an audio podcast. Uh, yeah, uh, what better platform? If you want to see the comparison of our beards... Go to social media. Follow us at, at What the FC Podcast on Instagram, at What the FC Pod on Twitter, uh, What the FC Podcast on Facebook. Matt completely planned that so that we could have a social media plug at the beginning yeah, of the podcast. Yeah, now I'm uh, starting to regret saying that in the first place so that people can uh, see what I'm talking about, but who cares? Yeah, it's all good. All right, so uh, let's get uh, straight into it. The first person we talked to was Ashley Mahoney, as I mentioned before, and I'll let Matt introduce her and her history. Yeah. So Ashley Mahoney, she was an English and history major at Barton College in Wilson, North Carolina. 
She also played Division II women's soccer there. Upon graduation, she studied at Bangor University in Wales and helped with the women's football team there. Now she's been working uh, for the past six years at the Charlotte Post, reporting on all things within Charlotte sports teams, ranging from the Panthers and the Hornets. I was watching ESPN on, on YouTube today, and there was a LaMelo Ball, um, his initial press conference. and. Yeah. I got to hear her voice uh, on there <laughs> as well, which is pretty cool. Um, but she also talks about Charlotte Independence. She um, talks about local college soccer within Queens and UNCC and the other surrounding uh, schools. But one of my favorite parts of her work is the Queen City Football Chronicle, so QCFC, where she writes about soccer stories in the Charlotte community. You can see her soccer-specific work on the Charlotte Post or on Instagram at QCFC. I like to call her the Khaleesi of sports journalism <laughs> in Charlotte, and we are we were honored and so excited to have her on the podcast, and I hope that y'all enjoy getting to hear her voice and her perspective in terms of where her position is within the scope of sports journalism, because it's not just soccer journalism that, that she does, but, right. but even more broadly speaking, the role of, of journalism as a whole, I, I found it very insightful. Yeah, she was a great interview. Um, Ashley's a really great person. We really appreciate all the work she does and, and her willingness to come on and talk with us. And um, she really is the the Khaleesi of soccer yeah. journalism here. I think that's one of the best best metaphors uh, ever. Uh, she mentioned multiple times that we were uh, probably blowing her head up too big. We, we kept complimenting her throughout the interview. But um, anyways, so as we went to the interview, uh, I asked her a quick question about how she chooses her stories. Uh, me and Matt go through that uh, a lot. We talk through what stories do we want to tell here, what's important to tell, what do we want to tell. And so I wanted to know from Ashley, how does she go about choosing her stories and specifically in the light of covering Charlotte FC? So how does she choose a story that you know might be good PR for Charlotte FC versus a story that is going to be bad PR, maybe trying to keep them a little bit more accountable. Uh, and we specifically saw that with the recent Academy games at Bank of America Stadium for Charlotte FC, the U15 and U17 teams. Matt and I were there. Uh, you guys might have seen it on our social media channels. We were really hype about it. We yeah, had, it was a great time. We had tons of fun, uh, and, and we probably gave Charlotte FC some good PR there. Uh, but Ashley's newsletter of QCFC that week, uh, the headline was about the low attendance and is this a sign that maybe the marketing isn't there, the interest isn't there? And, and I mean, obviously, there's a nuanced opinion there with COVID and, and all these different things, but that was her question from it. And, and so I wanted to know what her story creation and story um, choice ideas were. And she had some uh, really, really adamant thoughts about it uh, that we're going to share with you guys now. Absolutely. And I'll start off with PR. No, no one from Charlotte FC is paying us. So if they want PR, go, go find a PR firm, buy an ad in the paper. We are not your PR flunkies. We are not here to make you look good. We are here to keep people informed. We are here to give them the truth and sometimes the ugly truth, truth nonetheless. And to your point of there are only X number of fans there. And when you look at what was presented online, of course, yes, we will fully acknowledge this is a pandemic. You're not going to have 75,000 people there to watch a bunch of kids play on any given day, but especially not during a pandemic, especially not on one of the first cooler weekends in the year, especially not on Halloween, especially not when it was the final day of early voting. 
They had a lot going against them in that regard. However, you also had a certain number of seats that you could fill. That's a couple thousand more than the people who were there. There were a lot of people who said, oh, yeah, the Mint City Collective members are like, yeah, I got my tickets, but I decided not to go. Okay, how is that going to translate to 2022 at the box office? Yeah, I have my tickets, but I'm not going to go. Why aren't you going to go? What makes you say, I have this, but should I go? People would also argue, okay, but it was free. Didn't cost them anything to go, not to go. The games were streamed on their social media. Did they need to be present for it? To that end, you also say, okay, do you want that experience? It's a free day at Bank of America Stadium versus something that's going to cost a lot of money in the not-too-distant future. So how do you go about something like that? And it'll also be interesting to see how many people did they actually draw in 2022? So, I mean, of course, does it make my job easier when a team does well? Absolutely. Does it make it more of a challenge, more of a growing experience? Personally, as a journalist, when they do poorly, yes, I've covered the Hornets for years. It's definitely a growing experience. So, so yeah, a very strong opinion from Ashley there at the beginning. Uh, obviously, we, we uh, I set that question up probably poorly uh, when, I, when I asked it to her uh, using PR uh, as the term, but uh, very clear that she's very much delineating the difference here between a public relations department and people that are going to put out positive stories for a franchise and the role of journalism in keeping these organizations and these clubs accountable. So, yeah, I mean, if you just look at Charlotte football club, if you look at their news tab on their website, all of their articles that they've released is about how they're, you know, doing community work and giving books and different packs to kids at local elementary schools and how how their academy homestay program is boosting and enriching local families and fans getting tattoos of the crest on their calves and different different things in the community which are all positive things and those are all great things but of course their angle is going to be like how can we highlight what we're doing to build this positive brand image in, in the market of, of Charlotte so that people are a little bit more obligated to come out and support, buy merch, create sales. So it was, yeah. it was interesting to hear her perspective of PR and kind of making sure that you understand where that new source is coming from. Yeah, for sure. And she was obviously very adamant about that. And, and we're starting to see there's a dichotomy there, right? You've got the role of journalism in the awareness around a team and you've got the role of a public relations department that's in-house uh, and those are, are two very distinct things and are two very important things so for example as we continue to talk to ashley about this uh this topic she brought up the story of how she uh, in her role as a journalist for the charlotte post and under qcfc held the Charlotte Independence accountable for some inconsistent messaging, we'll call it that. So we'll let her tell you that story, which I think really illustrates uh, these two different roles of a PR department versus a journalist. I'm going to steal something from the boss on this one. You can be one of three things. You can be a guard dog, which is more investigative. You can be a lap dog, which is, oh, we have a press release from this group, and we're just going to put it out, maybe change a couple things, and it looks good for them. We're definitely not that. Or you can be a guide dog. You can inform your readers. You can guide them along and say, here are the facts. Form your own opinion. We've given you everything we can. The rest is on you. 
So that is the vein that we take. And for example, you mentioned the independence during the, the oh so busy summer. We ran two stories, one about June 1st and the other, no, pardon me, not June 1st, July 1st and August 1st. And it was right around, no, it was June 1st. I'm going to have to go back and double check. June, July, either way. The Independence front office decided that they did not want to put out a statement supporting their black players condemning racism. And I reached out to the owner, Jim McPhillamy, and said, hey, why not? There are crickets happening over here. And he said, we don't want to put out a statement. We don't want to just merely check a box. That's fine. Thank you for your time. Spoke with a couple of players. They were not happy about it. Spoke with Hugh Roberts, a defender for them. He was very adamant about, you know, why are we receiving all of the support from fans and people in the community and people in the league, but our own front office can't say that they support us, especially when most of the time they're starting 11, predominantly black. No support from the front office. Fast forward to several months later, and Dan D'Amico, the majority owner of the Independence, was an advisor for President Trump's campaign. And he continued to tweet anti-Black Lives Matter sentiments, retweet anti-Black Lives Matter sentiments, and the league itself said, you know, this doesn't represent the league's philosophy. The league's not okay with this. The front office, however, did nothing to separate itself from it. Season ticket holders began pulling their support, and that was met with a lot of resistance, just in terms of the front office's operations as a whole. And it's a... a long and twisted road. If you followed the independence for the last couple of years, you know that the product on the pitch has never been the issue in terms of there seems to be the dichotomy of you have the front office and you have what happens on the pitch. They don't operate under the same wavelength and there's that element of, okay, not so much airing dirty laundry, but you call them on their faults in service of your readers? Or do you say, oh, well, this wouldn't look good for them. Let's just let it slide. No, you're not here to let anybody slide. You're here to hold their feet to the fire. You're here to hold them accountable. That's what your readers should expect and demand of you. And to that end, it doesn't always go well in terms of people like, oh, this is awful. How could you do this? Like, We're not here to be your friends. We're not here to make you look good. We're here to inform our readers. If you don't like that, then do better. Okay, so uh, really interesting thoughts again there from Ashley. Really interesting story and um, really great metaphor there for how she views journalism being this guide dog for for their readers and giving them the facts, but then still letting them form their own opinions. Uh, What did you think of that and what did you think of the story? Yeah, I mean, not only is it just what I think it's more specific to her role as a journalist. And so there, there's different levels of journalism. Right, and, yeah. and so it's like all three um, examples apply to what do you want to be in journalism? And, and so it was very cool because I was able to apply that to what we're doing. So we'll, we can discuss that later. But in terms of, you know, with, with that illustration of the Charlotte Independence, I don't think it's a statement of like a, an opinion statement of, oh, gosh, they're not supporting Black Lives Matter. Charlotte Independence should be held accountable for not supporting that. I think that we had a good conversation of like clarifying yeah. that that message of what what she was really doing in terms of being a, holding people accountable is you didn't make a statement. You have statements from the players on the field. You have statements from the owner up top. 
what's in between saying about this? Where's that connection? Because the front office is extremely important in terms of connecting the higher levels of sponsorships of owners and different groups that, uh, and, and fan groups and stuff. And then you also have to connect them with the players on the field. And so I think that that was a really cool example. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like ultimately inconsistent messaging, right? It, yeah. it wouldn't have been a problem if, um, everyone was on the same page. They were all saying one thing or they were all saying another thing, but the problem was, we had players that were angry about this, and so they were going to come tell the facts of that. And, and, hey, we've got inconsistent messaging here. What's up with that? Mm-hmm. And there, there's a story there. Uh, so I think that's an important distinction to make. It's not that Ashley and the Charlotte Post were coming in with um, their own um, personal opinions and trying to force that on the Charlotte independents. I think that's re- a really important distinction to note. Um on a positive note from what the Ashley's work she did there. Yeah. And I mean, obviously a very controversial topic within media and Mm -hmm. and which we, we, which we talk with both of our guests about is the objectivity of media of journalism, but also the acknowledgement of inherent bias. And so within the context of this story, it's easy to kind of angle towards, okay, there's a political agenda that's being played out here. In that sense, the Charlotte Post there is is trying to support and make a statement that they're supporting Black Lives Matter. But no, that's not ultimately, like, regardless of if they do support Black Lives Matter, that's not the point of the article. That's not the point of the Charlotte Post. They're trying to be that that watchdog or that, oh, wait, what'd she say? The hunting, the guide dog. dog, Yeah. yeah. And and so it's like, look, I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm sure she has an opinion uh, as to what she would have done or what her thoughts were. She never, she never stated that. Right. And so I think it was very unique in terms of clarifying that yeah, this is me being objective. My role is to be objective and be like, mm-hmm. I smell a story. I, yeah. I see something, I, I see some smoke burning and I think that there might be a fire that, you know, needs to be dealt with in terms of Charlotte FC and obviously they are uh, not Charlotte FC, Charlotte independence. Right. And they have a history of having problems in that area. So of yeah. course she's going to be able to kind of want to expose that to to supporters, to fans, to yeah. the players. And, and so I think that's a very important role that she was playing in it. Yeah. And so at, through that story and through our continued conversation with Ashley, it, it really became apparent that uh, we've got two roles here that are equally important. You've got the PR department of a franchise and you've got journalists that are holding them accountable and journalists that are also telling positive stories and working in conjunction with the PR department at times. They're symbiotic, but they also check each other and they balance each other. And so we started to see that. And then as we continued the conversation, a third role started to become more and more apparent. And that's the role of amateur storytellers, podcasts like ourselves, blogs, fan TVs, all those things that start to pop up when you see a franchise, a new franchise in a city. So Ashley uh, had some thoughts about the difference between these amateur storytellers and journalists and her community of professionally trained journalists. So here's her thoughts on that. That's something that I I have to give so, so, so much credit again to our editor in chief. You know, Herb has not only created a, a legacy and an opportunity here in Charlotte for us to alter the way that we cover the game, 
but also he he's a fantastic teacher and just the way that you know he's molded my career the way that he works with our our interns and our fellows and helping them but there is a line that like you said it's becoming a little bit more blurry for a lot of people especially the introduction of blogs and fan sites and things like that who claim to be sources and you're not you're not a source you're not a journalist all due respect actually no just plainly said blog bloggers and journalists especially when people like PR people will reach out and say oh yeah for your blog just let the smoke come out of my ears then no, no, no. bloggers and journalists are not the same if you listen to this podcast and you take away anything bloggers and a blog is not a newspaper a blog is not a news outlet it is a blog but I'm going to get off that soapbox and get back to your question. So you have to take it with this, this element of really understanding that you are here for the readers and to report what you know. It is as simple as that. Report what you know. And that's, that's really the beginning and the end of it. If you come at it with this little, this editorial style, and there's a time and place for that. The columns are wonderful elements of news gathering but at the same time it's designated as a column or an opinion editorial you have to make sure that if that's the track you want to go it is plain as day for your reader it's it is your personal opinion versus the news gathering side that has to be okay this is strictly reporting what we know if you're a professional you leave it at that i hope that answers your question all right I can't imagine uh, seeing Ashley, how angry she must be when a public relations uh, employee calls uh, her QCFC journalistic integrity page a blog. I would not want to get in her way when uh, someone makes that mistake. <laughs> no, if that was her reaction, just bringing it up you know, <laughs> very long after that hopefully yeah. happened. I can't imagine what it would be spur of the moment. But yeah, uh, but she's got a good point right in that. Uh, as she mentions, there's a time and a place for opinion pieces and that kind of stuff. I think where she gets really passionate about it, and rightly so, is especially in this age of social media, people start to look to bloggers and, and amateur storytellers, as, as we'll call them more generally in on this episode. They start to look to these amateur storytellers and use them as these like be-all, end-all sources. And they aren't, they don't have the editor looking over their shoulder. They don't have the professional training. They don't have that um, objectivity that is built into what a journalist is supposed to be and the standard that a journalist is held to. It's just completely different standards, right? And so I think it's very fair of her to draw that distinction between what an amateur storyteller is there for and what a journalist is there for. Yeah, and I mean, that's the danger of getting all your news from Twitter because there really isn't much. The The platform equalizes in terms of what a journalist like Ashley yeah. can tweet out. If they just scroll, you know, just one thumb just down, they can see a tweet from us. And yeah. it could be our tweet could be total boulder dash, you know, yeah. just like total nonsense. And how how is the person viewing it on Twitter going to know any difference? And so that's where it's it's important to do your research and making sure that you know that you're getting your facts from the facts sources and making sure that's consistent. Yeah. And 
using the blogs or the amateur storytelling as more of a sense of getting more of an opinion on something, yeah. not necessarily where you're getting as many facts. And, and obviously like in our situation, we don't have anyone checking us in terms of what stories we run. Yeah. We don't have anyone checking us in terms of what facts we use within those stories. There's just a sense of trust between each other yeah. that we're going to do the correct amount of research and the statistics that we do bring up are factual right. are credible. And it's, it's hard for the listener to, to know. Um, it's a, there's a sense of trust with the listener as well in terms yeah. of being like, okay, well we think that they're credible. We'll keep listening and maybe share these statistics, these conversations in other parts of our life. Right, right. And so you're starting to see um, a, a really neat parallel that I, I, I was able to draw as Matt and I prepared for this episode. You're starting to see here a three-legged stool for storytelling and awareness around a professional sports franchise. Um, I kind of I get this three-legged stool idea from my experience working with Digital Charlotte at Queen's University. Um, when you talk about the digital divide, uh, a lot of times the metaphor that is used is the three-legged stool of um, access, internet access, and, and affordability. That's one leg, and then uh, you've got the uh, devices, if you have a device, and then if you have the skills to use those th things. If one of those legs is missing, then the other two don't mean anything because they're completely useless. And I see a really similar thing here as well. You've got one leg of public relations, you've got one leg of professionally trained journalists, and then you've got another leg of amateur storytellers. And if you pull out any of those legs, this whole thing starts to come down. It can't stand up uh, because if you don't have the uh, guide dog and the, the watchdog and the accountability of journalists, then you've just got like a positive feedback loop over here between, uh, between the amateur storytellers and the PR. And if you've only got the PR and the um, journalists, then there's really probably no fan culture and there's nothing to really cover or talk yeah, there's about. There's no one who's so. going to be reading or watching those articles and stuff yeah. being published by the, the, PR departments or the journalists. Exactly. So as we talked to Ashley, I think we saw this really cool three-legged stool triangle of pillars of this community. And it's kind of cool to try to figure out, okay, how do we fit into that, right? Obviously, we're more on that amateur storyteller pillar, but we also like to tell some more journalistic stories. And um, we also do some stuff that makes Charlotte FC look really, really good and, and seems a little more PR-y. Um, so as we um, talked to Brett McCormick, he had some thoughts on the kind of difference between the role of an amateur storyteller like ourselves and a journalist. And he was a little bit more loose with his definition than, than Ashley was. To give some quick context on Brett McCormick, he is currently a um, general assignment and tennis reporter at the Charlotte Sports Business Journal. Uh, he was previously the sports editor at the Rock Hill Herald, where he covered all things sports in the York County area. Uh, big focus on Winthrop basketball. Uh, he did high school prep sports. He covered me when I played high school soccer, which is the connection we had with him. So he's got a lot of experience in sports journalism in this um, broader field. And so his thoughts on the difference between amateur storytellers and journalists was particularly interesting. I mean, I don't really see any difference. It's just uh, one's going to have better access than the other one, probably because they get a press pass, but I don't see any difference. I, I think that 
uh, whenever I had people that wanted to intern with me or um, work with me, you know, over a summer or something when they were home from college, a lot of a lot of times I would get they would send me stuff uh, that they'd done, and it was, you know, opinion pieces on uh, where LeBron should go in free agency or whatever. You know, I I mean that that stuff is fine, but I think people are always going to appreciate original work around original subjects and and then also things that are more local you know like if somebody was if somebody was trying to get into journalism i would recommend to them try to work on things that matter locally like that they can get to that they can access i mean there's four million opinions about something like lebron james but charlotte fc is not going to have that like that much coverage you know they'll only make national news when it's uh, good or bad, you know, like if it's in the middle then you know, nobody's going to talk about them really outside of Charlotte. So, you know, I think that's a way that a lot of people can make stuff happen, you know, is like just show a lot of effort and write about it. You could, you could pick kind of, I, if I was doing something like that, I would pick an angle. Like I would try to do tactics or I would try to do, I don't know, something else, you know, like stories about players or, or something. I mean, you could come you could try to do all that, I guess, but, um, but, you know, sort of like pick a lane and try to thrive in that, you know, being, being, uh, so general, um, sometimes is not the answer, uh, if you're trying to get like noticed or whatever. So, um, but I, I don't think there's any like real difference between, um, what they're going to do, you know, I mean, it, it's the way, and I, you know, I don't know if I would call it journalism. Journalism is more like, to me, is more professional in that it's, and not to be snooty, but in that it, it's going to have higher ethical standards, um, like professional standards, you know, um, things are going to be sourced and it's going to be less opinions and, and, uh, uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't want to come across as, as elitist, but, um, but I mean, journalism can be done by people that are not that are freelancers or that are paying their own way or doing their own company as well. It's just it it kind of speaks to a level, I think. So writing like just a bunch of opinion pieces about Charlotte FC with no reporting or not, you know, without talking to anyone, to me is not journalism. Uh, that's probably more like blogging, maybe. Um, but um, no, I th- I think there's opportunities to do that stuff and. And some of that might depend on how Charlotte FC reacts to some of these websites. You know, if you have like a big following, they'll probably, they may be willing to issue uh, credentials um, to games and stuff like that. But I, I don't, I don't know what their policies are going to be regarding that. I don't, I don't know what MLS teams policies are regarding that because I'm sure there's, you know, tons of these things sprout up whenever a team does. Um, so um but you've got social media. I mean, like that's a great equalizer. So, um, you know, creating, uh, creating, uh, uh, an audience and interacting with them, I think is something else that is, you know, extremely popular and, and that is not limited to journalists. So, you know, where you can create a community and discussion about stuff, I think people always, um, are drawn to that. Okay. So really nuanced take there from Brett about, the difference between amateur storytellers and professionally trained journalists. What did you, what did you think of his opinion? So I liked, of course I liked his opinion because yeah. it, it, it suits, it caters to us. It gives us some validity, not that Ashley didn't. Yeah. I, I think that they both would agree that 
there is a higher level of content creation in terms of the amount of amount of editing that has to go into releasing a news article when you get towards the mm-hmm. higher levels of journalism compared to what we're doing. Like I, I agree a hundred percent. I don't think there's, there, there's any arguing that obviously yeah. we'll, we'll try and check our facts, but in terms of having it go through more than the hands of you or it's nil. And so, right. uh, but I didn't appreciate his caveat in terms of we're not bloggers or anything like that. We're not just giving these, you know, farcical, I guess farcical is a bit harsh, but these hot, hot takes, ta- yeah, yeah. yeah, these hot takes, these very f- opinion based only like only opinion based, no yeah. real facts, no real effort done. Just if, you know, for me, whenever Arsenal loses, which is quite often, sadly, <laughs> if I just like got a microphone and ranted like, oh, gosh, this is why Arsenal sucks. Like, that's just a blog, yeah. uh, essentially, you know, and obviously there's good levels of blogging and stuff. We're not right. slanting at them. But yeah, but the fact is, is that our positioning is more in terms of an amateur level of storytelling we want to we, we want to do a service to journalism to journalists like ashley and brett yeah and we kind of talk with them about that um as well in, in our interview with them in terms of being like hey we we really want to do y'all a service we want to we want to honor the craft of storytelling of yeah. journalism and so we don't want to take it lightly and that's kind of that balance of of where we're trying to find ourselves in terms of which leg do we stand on mm-hmm. and so what what were your thoughts yeah I, I agree completely in that i enjoyed brett's take on it and i enjoyed ashley's take on it and i think it's really helping us start to figure out what our niche is in this storytelling community that surrounds charlotte fc and and more generally soccer in the carolinas and so I was I was excited to hear that from from Brett and it's it's good right now we're at this really good point where we can kind of look back and reflect on on where we've been right and getting to this point is an achievement in and of itself as you were telling me right before this episode yeah right? exactly and so I was just looking at different statistics regarding podcast and 58% of podcasts are inactive 58% that That's a big that equates number. to about 960,000 podcast yeah two-thirds of those two-thirds of that 58 percent two-thirds of that nine hundred and sixty thousand didn't even reach 10 episodes and so the fact that we've gotten to this point puts us ahead of you know a lot of the a lot of the difficulties a lot of the barriers to entry of being like well you know we're, we're not doing this professionally we're not getting paid to do this we don't make any money out of this Quite frankly, it's very much the opposite. We spend a lot of time doing this. We bought the equipment for this. And then we also are students finishing our senior years, yeah. having to plan what we're going to do upon graduation. And I'm currently engaged and having to help plan a, a wedding. Yeah. I, I won't take too much credit. Pretty much Kate, <laughs> Kate has pretty much single-handedly planned this wedding. But like having a lot of stuff going on in, in the midst of COVID. And so there's a lot of things pulling us away from continuing to do this podcast. I know I had yeah. a couple of times where I was like, Hey, I need to just, I can't record tonight. I got some other things that, right. that I'm doing because I don't have that primary obligation, uh, as yeah. professional journalists do. How yeah. about you? I mean, and it goes back to that thing we were talking about earlier with the three legged stool that we really feel like we're contributing something to this community. We feel like 
as this kind of role as amateur storytellers and um, trying to tell more more fact-based stories, more nuanced stories, stories that go deeper than a tactical analysis of what happened on the field or let's talk about uh, the player transfers, which is all great stuff and, and people need to be out there talking about that, but that's not the skills uh, neither either of us have. And so that's what excites me about it. And um, it excites me that we've been able to get this far, right? Like, I don't want to just like sit here tooting our own horn for the rest of the podcast because we still have a ways to go. And we we have future plans and we have a broader vision. But before we get there, we want to let you guys hear from uh, Brett McCormick one last time uh, where he talks a little bit more about the space for amateur storytelling uh, and the role for amateur storytelling in the Charlotte soccer community specifically. And he had some ideas and a take on it that we really identified with it. So we want to let you guys hear that from his mouth first, and, and then we'll wrap this episode up. It'll be interesting to see what sort of resources are devoted to it by the traditional journalistic out outlets i know ashley is going to be all over it um i'm intrigued to see what the observer does i think um we've got the young woman that's covering i uh, i think her name's alex um who's covering nascar i think is going to be covering the soccer team as well um but how much you know like newspapers are struggling right now so i think that really leaves a lot of opportunity for these non-traditional outfits that you're talking about, you know, somebody that's got a huge interest in it and, um, you know, thinks they have some insight or whatever. Um, you know, I would, I would love to see some one or two like really legit, uh, kind of blogs or, or fan websites or whatever pop up, you know, ones that are good enough to where, um, you know, people eventually quit their jobs and take it on and they're getting press credentials and because you need, you need that, uh, you need a critical mass of coverage around it. You don't, you don't want, um, you don't want it to be from two, two newspapers or three newspapers or whatever. I mean, um, I would love to see if, uh, any Spanish language outfits really take it on. I think that would be pretty, you know, I, I, I hope Charlotte FC would be really accommodating to them because I mean, I think that would just be, uh, a win-win for them. Um, but I, I, you know, I think there's opportunity there for sure for anybody that, that wants to, to shine, you know, I mean, it, it, I don't, I can't imagine that they can be, the Charlotte FC can be so picky right off the bat that they can, are just going to be like, Oh no, you know, you, you, you're not legit. We can't, can't have you come. Um, but you know, with the press credential comes responsibility and stuff. So like, don't share in the press box and things like that. But, um, that goes back to the objectivity, but, um, don't wear sweatpants, um, you know, things like that. But uh, no, I think I think it'll be cool to see what what pops up. I know um, social media has just has created such a such an equalizer for for journalism. So so that people from the New York Times are on the same platform as you know people that have these tiny minuscule little blogs. So um, that's a great that's a great weapon to. Well, weapon, maybe not that right word. Great platform to use uh, to get your voice out there. Um, so do it responsibly. But I mean, it's it's a you know it's a it's a opportunity for sure for people that are trying to get into this to um, to do something local that that can have more impact. So I think the best uh, illustration there of 
the importance of this three-legged stool, again, that we've tried to build this episode around. If you only have PR, then you just only have positive stories about something and it's not good. So you need some journalism to balance that. But then, as Brett says, it's not really good if you only have PR and then you only have two newspapers covering the team that in his words, it's not enough. It's not a critical mass of coverage. It's not enough. And so that's where hopefully we come in and different uh, outlets like us come in. And so that starts to speak to the mission and vision that Matt and I have been continuing to hone and refine as we've worked our way through these first 10 episodes. And this episode gave us a chance to really sit down and think about that. So talk to me a bit more about that, Matt. Yeah. So obviously like with our, with our mission currently of what we're wanting to do, which we have done in the past 10 episodes, but really honing in on, I guess, more detailed is we, we want to be a storytelling podcast. We want to be an amateur storytelling podcast, but at a deeper level. Like, for instance, we, we were trained for, I guess, four months in terms of how yeah. to do this. Yeah. Because for those of y'all who don't know, the origins of this podcast was a, was a study abroad trip. We were supposed to go with Queens to the Tokyo Olympics to conduct for for my group business analytics storytelling and for will's group um the kind of community driven storytelling and so we had the the business school which which i'm a part of and we had the communication school which will is a part of and so we have some background we're not just two guys and a and two mics and just kind of giving our opinions and hot takes or whatever and and we're not even just two people that are doing some research or whatever that that we enjoy because it's our hobby this is something that we want to take professionally i guess ideally that would be yeah that would be our dream like brett said you know that we can drop our jobs that we're going to be pursuing yeah and just do this full time i know that for me i i did not want to study a lot this semester because I was like, Oh, I'm so excited about a couple of stories that we're talking about. All I ever want to do is work on editing this podcast or work on our social media or work on a story idea. I'd say really sapping my motivation for other yeah. things. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> and so ultimately we, we want to pick up those, those pieces from the existing journalist outlets that we have yeah. in the area. We were talking with Ashley. She was saying how the, her main struggle is that there's only 24 hours in a day. And that she has so many stories that she wants to highlight and she just doesn't have that capacity to do so. Right. And so that's where we want to come in. We want to give you a similar level of content as Ashley. Of course, she's going to be in a different medium and and tell stories in a different way than we are. But we want to give you that same quality, that same in-depth opinion, but also give a seat at the table for the listeners, for y'all to really understand and and to voice if we ever see you in person or on social media when you interact with us or even with your friends or your family. Yeah. That's kind of what we think that the mission of our podcast is when we release something on a day to day or a, a week to week basis. Yeah. Yeah. Like on, on a week to week basis, like that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to tell those stories and pick up some of those, those deeper pieces that uh, journalists like Ashley want to tell, but oftentimes don't have the luxury to to get to sit down and highlight those because they have professional duties and and the stories they have to produce and the quotas they have to meet and they just don't have time to sit down and talk to every incoming freshman at uncc in queens and tell their stories like ashley told us she would love to do if she had the time uh so we want to be able to pick up some of those pieces and and like you said and compliment uh, compliment them 
And then it also feeds into our vision. Uh, so, so our mission there was what we wanted to do from a week-to-week basis. Our vision is ideally in, in a long-term goal. Where are we trying to go? Where do we want to get to uh, in an ideal world? And ultimately, our big goal would be to be one of those amateur outlets that really pushes on and kicks on, like Brett said, and becomes a big voice in this community, right? And regardless, we want to become respected voices in this Charlotte soccer and Carolina soccer community. We want that that seat at the table. And we're going to do it in a different way than someone like Ashley Mahoney's doing it. Um, Ashley Mahoney has done that. She is the respected voice in uh, Charlotte soccer, right? Because of what she's done from a journalism and a fact bringing standpoint. We're doing it more from that amateur blogger, storyteller, podcast type angle, but we still want to become someone that uh, a pair that has respected opinions and can bring really deep nuanced stories and ultimately start conversations. I think that's ultimately what we're really wanting to do here is tell stories where we can give our nuanced opinion on it, but we can leave these things open and we can let you make your own decisions, almost be a bit of an amateur guide dog, kind of like uh, Ashley was talking about. Yeah, we want to be the college soccer of journalism. Yeah, and, yeah. And so we'll leave <laughs> Brett and Ashley to be the MLS Academy. We'll yeah. leave them to be like the top tier in terms of like we're going to give you the really pressing important stories because yeah. ultimately those are the ones they have to focus on and it's not that the stories that we're telling aren't important it's just yeah. that they have ads to sell they yeah. have newspapers to sell yeah we don't and we don't have a quota of what we have to release i'm um, not by anyone above us or below us or anything it's just among ourselves and it's mm-hmm. the pressure that we put on ourselves and so for for instance like uh, when i first started the podcast my my fiance kate she was just so surprised. She's like, Oh wow. Like I didn't realize how seriously you and will were going to be taking this Yeah. and the amount of hours that we've put into this and you know, like we'll leave it up to the listeners to decide if those hours were, were worth well it. spent or whatever, but <laughs> maybe you're just like slogging through these things, like just so you can like our social media posts and say you've been listening. But, um, I hope hopefully we've been, we've been bringing some stuff that is a little bit higher quality. Yeah. Than that. <laughs> I, I sure hope so. But, but yeah, ultimately regardless, it, I'm having fun. Yeah, so. exactly. And that, that's the point of it right now. And hopefully continually through the length of the podcast. And so, it's we we want to do it justice and the people who are close to us have been able to see that and be like oh wow like we want to reach out to other people within our networks and and really give us a, a helping hand because this is something that we're passionate about this is something that we want to we don't want to do haphazardly you know yeah. and, and so i think that's something that is important that we're very proud of i don't think there's been an episode that i've not necessarily been proud of because of the achievements that we've made so far. This is all on our own accord. And moving forward, it continually has to be on our own accord. Obviously, we want to do it for our listeners. But as a starting up podcast, there's not that many listeners. Yeah. <laughs> there's not that many listeners that are going to be yeah. like depending on us as their only source. Once we get to, hopefully, once we get to a stage of where we're that respected voice. Yeah then we have a little bit more of an obligation to create mm-hmm. that community. But right now it, that vision is something that 
is really to be proud of and continue like motivating to to work towards yeah yeah uh, i agree and I, I don't think i can really say it better than that so um the only thing i have to add is apologies if you came on this podcast episode today and expected us to talk about soccer because <laughs> that is uh that was not happening today but we think it's really important to continue as we um do this podcast and for people that are listening consistently and we appreciate the time you take to listen to our episodes, whether it's here and there, whether it's been every episode, um, you're choosing to spend your time with us. And so we want to choose to be open with you about where we've been, where we're going, what our plans are, what our process is so that you're a little bit more in on the process and it's we're, we're letting you in on that collaboration I feel like and I think that's important to us and will always be important to us to be very open about um, like our, our struggles and where we see the future of this podcast going and how it's developing and telling you exactly what to expect from it and that was I think the goal of this episode is to tell you guys as we move forward this is what to expect of us right like we are mostly not mostly, we are going to be somewhat opinion-based, but we're going to bring in nuanced opinions. We're going to do our research. We're going to bring in interviews like Ashley and Brett and DJ and Keegan and Clay last week and hopefully some more as we move forward to other topics. So we're going to bring in those diverse opinions, those facts, and we want to present nuanced opinions and we want to be a conversation starter. We want to help push the conversation forward in this community about soccer and that's that's really where it lies yeah exactly and so my my hope is that in either a year two three years looking back at this this episode specifically to see where we've come like we're so proud of what we've done yeah so far and the i guess three months that we've been working on yeah, this podcast like, in terms like of planning and, and investing our time into it. Yeah. I'm excited to see what that looks like in the future. Or even if there, even if we decide that life takes us in separate ways and yeah. that the podcast has to be sacrificed, just being able to look back at this project of what we're doing mm-hmm. and be proud of it and be able to look at, look at it with, you know, good memories and, and yeah. something that we want to share with other people and empower other voices in the community to uh, highlight those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think the biggest takeaway from this is this is going to be awesome social media content for us when we get that first press credential pass for a Charlotte FC game and we can go back and clip this episode. Exactly. Let's go. (laughs) So that's the big, that's the big goal. We want to become respected voices and hopefully we're um, building a solid base to, to achieve that goal. So uh, we really appreciate uh, if you've made it to, to this point of the episode, you listening to our meandering discussion about where we see this podcast and where we've been and, and kind of celebrating ourselves a little bit. But I think it's important to you know, continue to be uh, healthy about how we celebrate what we're able to achieve and plan for what we want to achieve in the future. So um, on that note, I am Will Martin. And I'm Matt McCutcheon. And this is What the FC. 